<clears throat> as we go through the new series today, we're going to uh, go in number two, in the second part, which is the frustration of happiness, right? And frustration and happiness. We're going to continue on Ecclesiastes where we left off, and we're going to highlight just a couple things and really just, you know, see what the thing out. You know, I think sometimes, you know, in our life today of just trying to seek out things that make us happy, you know, make us feel joyful. I think he brings up certain things that really, you know, could challenge our life and challenge our values and core of what we seek. And so today we're going to look at this in Ecclesiastes 1, verses 8 to 10. He says this, All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its filling of hearing. What has been will be again. Well, nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. You know, the first point that I want to just kind of point out for us today, and just a reminder, and what, what the author is pointing out, is that there is always more. There is always more. He says this, the eye has never had enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. You know, as we enter into this new year, I just remember our Christmas together with our kids. And, you know, there's this idea when they open up gifts. And this year, one thing I, you know, they're asking, uh, David was asking for a Pokemon game. And I just found out that you, know, you could rent it at the library. So, you know, instead of um, <clears throat> buying it where he would play for maybe, I don't know, so, so many weeks and then stop, I just decided, hey, I'm going to rent it. And then Jenny wrapped it up. And um, he opened up, he was like, hey, you got me the game that I wanted, <clears throat> right? And then, and then later on he goes, hey, why is there M-I-L on it? You know, like, why is there a barcode? Um, but I, I think that's over Christmas. You know, when they're younger, there's, everything is just so new. Everything is great, amazing. The older and older, it's like, oh, you know, I know that that game would only last a few weeks if, if he was able to play. Once he beats the game, once there's other things, and I don't know how, how you feel about that, but sometimes I feel the same. You know, sometimes I feel the same of like going through one thing, looking for more and more what the author is saying, right? <clears throat> Into our lives, to fill up our lives, to make us <clears throat> feel good, feel happy, feel something. You know, most of you guys know one thing that's on my bucket list, and if you don't know, you'll, you'll now know, is that, you know, I, I love snowboarding. Right, and one of the things that I want to do at some point, well, actually, I'm talk to Jenny, and what, what the part is, you know, it was supposed to be every decade. When I'm 30, I go somewhere. When I'm 40, I'll go somewhere. When I'm 50, I'll go somewhere, somewhere bigger, <clears throat> right? And um, I realized when I turned 40 that I, I don't think I could wait another 10 years. You know, I think my body is gonna break down. I can't go, you know, I'm huffing and puffing. You know, I'm putting on my bindings and I'm already tired. I always, you know, and so <clears throat> one of the goal is to go to Japan, right? And, you know, I talked to Jenny and we're just like, okay, I'm going to try to make all my points and all these things ready to go when I'm 45, right? And then there's the Patagonia that I also want to go at some point too, but who knows if I'll ever get to those bucket lists, right? But one of the things that really stood out as I was thinking about this is that I was telling my sons, about, hey, you know, they're asking me where I want to do, what, what, where I like to go. And I was like, oh, I want to go to Japan. They're like, oh, we want to come with you. 
And then so one of the things that I've, you know, talked to them and like, hey, you know, daddy's turning 45 and going to this for the first time. If you guys want to come with me, you guys have to earn it. Do you know? And I was like, you can't go at 11 and 8 or something like that. And I was just like, you got to start working and doing chores with me. And then now every 15 minutes of raking and putting tree, like, you know, leaves in the dumpster and all this other chores that they have, they'll get a dollar, right? And over many years, they're going to earn enough to go on this trip, right? And one of the things that, you know, just brought me is that to think about is, you know, sometimes I wonder, am I introducing to them this, these things too early? You know, in ways that I've waited so many years to want to see, but yet they get to see when they're very young. And that's something that all parents, many parents want their kids. They want to do their best. But it is building in what even I, I know I wrestle with, of the eye, there's always more, right? There's always more to see. There's always more to hear. Right? And this author, <clears throat> you know, King Solomon, presumably, he says this as he continues on in Ecclesiastes 2. Right? He said to this, he says, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasures to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. <clears throat> My mind is still guiding, guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the days, during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. <clears throat> I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and Harlem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And all that, this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that, that my hands had done and what I have toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. <clears throat> what he's saying here, you know, that he tried everything. He tried the pleasures. He tried comedy with laughter. He tried <clears throat> enjoying all the things, building a house, enjoying wine, pleasures, all the things that you could think about, walking around in his house, having servants, being really rich, wealthy beyond compare. Denied himself nothing his heart desired. But what is he saying, right? He's saying that everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. And I think this is a sober reminder, a reminder for us <clears throat> that what are we chasing? You know, especially when we think about experiences after experiences, happiness, entertainment. What are we chasing in our lives? that perhaps sometimes dull what's inside our hearts, the hole in our hearts, to, to realize the emptiness sometimes it brings. 
Now, what does it mean? Does it mean that we don't go after these things, don't enjoy any of this at all? I don't think he says that. And we see this <clears throat> as we look, as it continues on in Ecclesiastes 11. Okay, give me a second. I hope I don't lose my voice. I feel like it's getting weird. And that's the second point in Ecclesiastes 11, right? Let them remember the days of darkness. He brings it to light of just, it doesn't mean that we don't enjoy it at all. If anything, he says this, he says, light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However, many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever you see, your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. You know, what is he saying in this? I think he's pointing out to this idea that light is sweet. He's pointing out the idea that you know, however many years, and there's many parts of, the, of Ecclesiastes, he says, eat, enjoy life. He doesn't say, don't enjoy it. He doesn't condemn it. But rather, he just says, what are we chasing? Right? And if anything, what he's saying here is enjoy the things, the gifts that God has given us. The gifts, the joys that God brings into your life. The blessings. But I think in this day and age, what he brings up specifically, and it's a challenge for us, is the second part about remembering the days of darkness, for there will be many. In, in our culture today with, with Instagram, with TikTok, with advertisement, everything is done within 30 seconds, right? If it doesn't capture your attention, if it's not something that's favorable that you like to see, all the targeting of Facebook ads, we just swipe, we go to the next one, we kind of move on. We go on and on. And in, in that light, in that culture, sometimes we become numb. We become numb with entertainment, with things that we want to see. Right? That's how all the algorithm is written, to go for the things perhaps that you're interested in, that you view, that you want to see. But what it doesn't take away into account and probably what's harder and what the author is pointing out. It says, remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. You know, I don't know about you, but you know, <clears throat> whenever sometimes I watch a movie or, a, you know, a, a show, and the ending is a tragic one or a sad one, sometimes I'm, I leave with thinking, oh, man, I wish it could have been better. You know, I wish they were good, the good guys could win or this would have happened, this relationship could have worked out. But I realized that life in reality has many times darkness and days of darkness that perhaps we don't talk about, that we kind of push away, that we distract ourselves, that we numb ourselves to not think about. But here he says, let them remember the days of darkness for there will be many. That these times of joy, these times of sweetness, 
should also encourage us in the days of darkness, for there will be many. You know, I think <clears throat> on both ends, whether we're enjoying a lot of things and, and not thinking too much, you know, we're just enjoying from one thing or another that perhaps we're not asking, why is, do I still feel a need for something? Why is it not enough? Why do I feel sometimes empty? And in those moments of slowness, of silence, of stillness, I think what we see is that joy is not always so dependent on all the circumstances. That there are some things in our hearts that, that feel empty, that need to be reflected on what we see in the author saying, to be reflected on, to be seen, to be understood. Likewise, even in the days of darkness. You know, we, yes, this past week went through Second um, Corinthians for our community group. And you know, when Paul talks about being distressed, even among death, even thinking about death, being in that much pain, but yet still having hope, it brings me to think that even in times of darkness, that there will be hope, right? That it's not just, just circumstantial of pleasure and of pain, but that there is something deeper, deeper within that he's pointing out. And in this way, I think this is what I want to bring up as a third point, as I feel like my voice is also losing, right? Is remembering God the creator, right? He says this in this way. He says, you who are young, be happy while you are young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. He's saying in, in all this is remembering God, the creator and judge, that we will stand before God and that we will be accountable for our actions. And that many times, none of us can really know what another person's actions, motivations might be, why we choose certain things, why we act in a certain way. But the reality is that God knows. And in this way, I want to say that there is an aspect of God-conscious joy. God-conscious joy. Knowing that God is there watching and there, not in a way that's punishment, but that in a way that we could choose joy that honors him. And there's also things in our life that perhaps gives us pleasure perhaps might give us joy in the short term, but are not honoring to God. You know, in the finance world, there's <clears throat> ways to invest, invest in social concerns, right? SRI, I think. I was looking into it, right? There's, you could invest in companies that promote climate, you know, cl climate uh, change or not trying to protect the climate or not having conflict risk adverse, right, or human rights, or transparency, or dictatorship, 
anti-corruption. You see this even in companies, right? I remember this idea from Tom's shoes. I think that was one of the first. I remember, I think Robert, you know, introduced me to like how I built this. I remember listening to it a long time ago. You know, of just how they decided to say, hey, every shoe that you buy will get donated a shoe, pair of shoe, right? But now when I looked at their website, it's actually not that anymore. Do you know, it's wear good, share good, right? But there is this consciousness, this decision of how we spend our money, how we choose what we're doing, right? And I don't think that that's very different. That's very different in what God is saying to us and what the author is here is pointing out, right? He said, he's saying, hey, remember God, your creator. Remember that you will stand before him accountable for your choice, my choice, but that we are free, free to enjoy, free to follow the ways of our heart and whatever I see, but know that it's honoring. Pick and choose God-conscious joy. And in doing so, in doing so, I want to end with this part, is that he's able to say, banish your anxiety from your heart. Cast off your troubles of your body. That he's able to say that. He's saying, hey, there is no fear. There is no fear before him when we choose this. And for us standing from this side of the cross, knowing what Jesus has done, that our life <clears throat> and what we choose is not whether we'll take away our salvation, but it is how he's working in our lives of transforming us to becoming more like him, right? It's not taking away our justification, our, our standing with him, but rather we see multiple passages about storing up treasures in heaven. That in doing so, that when we live for Christ, when we choose this joy, God-conscious joy that I want to bring up, that we don't have to be anxious about what we're enjoying or what troubles that we're going through, the darkness, or feel guilty that God has blessed, but rather that we could pour that before him, lay it before him, and live in a way, live in a way of freedom because of what Christ has done. Right? It is not just, it is not, I shouldn't have any joy or I shouldn't be chasing. No, those things are good. Those things are gifts from God. But I think those things can often get confused when we confuse the gifter from the gifts. When we get confused with seeking after the things of God and God himself. He's pointing those things out of when you seek him, we have this freedom, freedom to enjoy, freedom to live in times of light and in times of darkness. And in doing so, we can have the fullness of life that he has promised. So as I conclude, and then today's message is shorter, and I'm, now I'm a little worried about my voice. I was telling Joe. That, and the frustration of happiness is that there is always more. If we chase after it, if that is the only thing we're looking, to not even be sad, to not even go through periods of darkness, that we miss out on what God perhaps 
is doing in our lives. Right? That we don't want to avoid that and only chase after that because there will be, for all of us, days of darkness. There will be days where we struggle and go through difficult situations. But that we can remember God the Creator. We can remember Jesus, our cornerstone. And in ways that gives us freedom, freedom to live knowing that He is there, He is in control, that nothing is out of His hands, that He doesn't waste anything in our lives, and that He's there to guide us, to lead us in ways that hopefully as we pursue His kingdom more than ours. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I just thank you for today. And Lord, I just pray that, that Lord, we would have the freedom, freedom to, Lord, live out the life that you've given us, but a desire to honor you with all of our lives. Help us to seek your kingdom first. Lord, to seek your kingdom and your will. And Lord, that we know that all these things will be added to us. That Lord, that we know, Lord, that you give us this gift of joy, of happiness. Help us to honor you. Help us to have this joy that's not just connected or tied completely to the circumstances of life but that's anchored in your son and the new life that you have given us and that is the power of, of the cross that we can live this new life in freedom in fullness because of your son. But Lord, in doing so, again, help us to honor you and to live for you, Lord. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name.